You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you and you can even bless someone else with it. All right, turn with me to the book of um, 1 Peter. Actually, make that 2 Peter. One of the things that we, we've been trying to explain is the difference in between what the Old Covenant taught and what the New Covenant taught or teaches. Because the Old Covenant taught, but the New Covenant teaches. Does everybody understand that? We're not living under the Old Covenant. We're living under the New Covenant. And so we need to get our teaching from the principles of the New Covenant, and those principles principles will bring light to some of the principles of the Old Covenant. But the lifestyle of the Old Covenant does not translate into the New Covenant. I was sharing um, with a person that is a Jewish scholar. He's a Jew himself, and he's, uh, he's just knows everything there is to know about history and that type of thing of, of Judaism and the history of the Jews and uh, being part of Israel himself. Uh, and I was sharing with him about just the way we've been explaining it for, the, for a few years is that Paul taught the mystery. He didn't teach the history. See, Paul was teaching the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory, the principle of the new covenant. He didn't go around teaching the history of the Jews. Even though he was one, he said, there's one thing I do. I forget my past and I take all the knowledge that I had gained over my lifetime. I considered as of no value to gain Christ in the new covenant. And so for three years, he set all these things aside to gain the new covenant principles, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And that's one of the hardest things for people to understand is the difference between being a servant of God and being a son of God. Understanding that you're not a servant. But the Bible says to be a servant. It says, yeah, it tells you to be a servant, but it tells you first to be a son that serves. Amen. Do you understand? And I was trying to think of a good analogy of this. And Is, is it Prince William, the, the one that's just got married over in England? Prince William? Uh, Prince William's in the military. He's surrounded by other people that are in the military. The other people in the military are serving England. Prince William is England. Even though he's serving, he is. We need to see ourselves as Prince William sees himself in the kingdom. We're not serving, we're not, we are, you, you know what I'm saying? But he, because we are, we serve. But he's not doing what he's doing to become a good citizen or a good subject. Everybody else are subjects in England. He is. His family is England. You understand what I'm saying? But he's still serving He's not serving to become, 
He's serving because he is. I mean, it's a very visible, everyday example of what we've been trying to communicate about, you know, so many of us all our life, we've been trying to become something that we already are. And I saw that, I went, man, what a picture. And he's flying, you know, what's he, a helicopter pilot or whatever. He's doing helicopters, he's doing this, he's doing that. But he's not doing it to become a good subject. He's doing it because he is the subject. He is kingdom. He is family. He's, he's, got, D, he's got England DNA in him. I mean, that's powerful. He's royalty amongst everybody else. And see, that's who we are. We're royalty. The scripture says that in 1 Peter that when you're born of God, there's a, when you're born again, there's an incorruptible seed that's placed in us. That is called the DNA of God. And so when we read the scripture, we need to understand what we, we're, we're teaching ourselves. The scripture says in 2 Timothy, it says, study to show yourself approved a worker. It doesn't mean for you to study so hard that God finally approves you. It means to study to show yourself that you are approved. In other words, study to show yourself that you are a king's kid. Study to show yourself that you have DNA in you, God's DNA. That you are begotten of God. Jesus was the first of many brethren. At one time, He was the only begotten Son of God. But once He became the only, guess what? Everybody else is thereafter. He was the first, we're the many. Amen? So, we're going to read this. And, and throughout the New Covenant, uh, one of the main authors of the New Covenant, are the Holy Spirit is the main author, but one of the people that wrote about the New Covenant more than anybody else was the Apostle Paul. And throughout Apostle Paul's writings, uh, without getting into the history of every book and describing the different cities that the books were written to, those kinds of things, he had one phrase that, that surpassed all the other phrases. He said, and he started every phrase, every book this way, Grace and peace be multiplied, or grace and peace be unto you. Now that wasn't just like a little quick cut, paste, and stamp. He, that's what he was focused on. That's what he was first... Everything else in, that, everything in the, that book was focused on grace and peace being multiplied or grace being peace being added. So there's one thing that we really need to focus on and that's grace and peace. We need to understand that it... It says in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 9, it says this. It says it's good to have your heart established by grace. Now what I like about that is, is that right before that it says, don't be carried about with various strange doctrines. In other words, there's a lot of doctrines being taught to the body of Christ. Doctrine of judgment. Right? You can name a few, can't you? But it's, there's one doctrine that you really need to have in your heart. It's the doctrine of grace. Because from that doctrine, everything else makes sense in the Word. But Paul went around teaching. He says, grace and peace be uh, added. I mean, without a doubt, grace and peace were the... It, it's the archival phrase of the New Covenant. We need to understand that the Virgin Mary... Let me ex explain what grace and peace is. First of all, grace... 
I was raised in a denomination that taught that grace was God's unmerited favor. Anybody ever hear that before? But unmerited favor is something that I never really could put, I could not apply in my everyday life. I, I heard it, but I didn't understand it. How do you apply unmerited favor? Well, even though that is a description of the word grace, it is a, I don't know how else to say it, it's a shallow expression of the word grace. It's in the book of 2 Corinthians, it says grace is God's strength, His ability, His power. So in other words, grace is God's enablement, His, His endowment of power, His, His acceptance. It's, pour, it's what's been poured out upon us. And peace, we understand that, and this is where we see it is so, peace isn't, you know, this. Okay, this is not peace. It's peace, but this is not peace. That This is peace between God and man. And the, one of the, 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 pretty, the, the, the best examples of this story are these two words is the Virgin Mary in the book of Luke. We all know it's usually spoke around Christmas time, but uh, Mary was just a young girl and the angel showed up and uh, began to talk to her. And she got, she, because she was afraid, she did not receive what the angel had to say to her. You know, that it says Mary was, well, that the angel came in and spoke to her, and she was taken back and fearful, and she was wondering what kind of greeting this was. I'm sure she was. Yeah, I'm not used to being greeted. No, I think she was afraid. This whole situation shocked her. And when she did that, you know, the, what the angel says, 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 Mary, fear not, for behold, you have found so what dealt with the fear that was in her heart? See, when, you, when you're fearful, you, you back up. You protect yourself. You go into the protection mode, right? If you're fearful, you don't receive anymore. You, you may be fearful in relationship. You may be fearful in, in, uh, uh, in any situation. You may be fearful at work. You may, be fear, you may have a, a mindset against certain types of people. And you may, may be fearful, and so you, you separate yourself. So you always separate from what you think is bring the source of your fear. Right? And so she had separated herself, and so the angel said, Fear not, for behold, you have found favor. And what, what's grace? Unmerited favor. She hadn't done anything to get favor, so it was unmerited. So in this story, what we have is the angel bringing grace to her. And bringing peace into her heart. See, grace, you'll never see peace and grace. It's always grace and peace be unto you. Grace came into her understanding. She, re she realized that she received favor and that broke down the wall of fear, allowing the word to come into her life because now she was at peace. Once peace was in her life, she could receive that word. And, she and the, you know the rest of the story. She said, be it unto me. She didn't understand how it was all going to take place. She just said, how can this be? Didn't matter. She said, be it unto me. So grace and peace is vital for you for receiving the word of God. That's why Paul started everything he said with grace and peace. Because he wanted to take out the fear. He wanted to instill the peace. So the word could be planted. Do you see how that works? You've got to have grace. You've got to know that, he, that God's, you've got favor that you're a child of His, that you're special to Him. You're His DNA. You can't be afraid of your Father to receive. 
I remember there were some days I was scared of my daddy coming home. Anybody remember those days? Chuck? Anybody remember those days scared of daddy? How many mamas go, wait till your daddy gets home? You know what I'm saying? Instilling that fear in that child. Did that fear just not approach daddy when he came home? No, he went in the closet. You know why? Because he was afraid. He didn't want to receive from father. But when you're not afraid of daddy, you want what he's got. You see what I'm saying? So you're not afraid. So you realize that I'm loved, I have his favor, and so I'm at peace so I can receive what my father has to say. And that's the purpose of the word of God is to bring you favor. That's why we teach so much on grace is so that you understand that you have favor so you can be at peace so you can receive the word and have it change your life. Because as long as the church is fearful of God, they'll never receive the word that's going to change their life. So, in the book of 2 Peter, what this is telling about, now this is not Paul saying this, but this is Peter. There was two main, main people, Paul and Peter, who were, there are a lot of people who spread the gospel of the new covenant, but Peter and Paul were some of the, the Paul and Peter were you know, the main characters here in the, throughout the New Testament. And in 2 Peter, he says this, verse, uh, chapter 1, Verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied. See, even Peter had the same message that Paul had. He understood that people needed to understand that they had favor with God and, and, and they are at peace with God. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. And I'm going to try not to get talking about the gospel of peace because that's one of my favorites. I tell you, if you want to mess some people up in their theology... Ask them if they ask them to teach, share what they know about the gospel of peace. They'll go, ah, uh, ah, uh, because most people have never heard the gospel of peace. They've been in church for 30, 40, 50 years, and they've never heard a seminar, a, a series, a teaching on the gospel of peace. They know they know, they know more about judgment, wrath and guilt than they do about peace. And what was the message from heaven? Peace on... See, you've got to remember, the angels had to deal with peace in Mary's heart, had to deal with peace in the shepherd's heart, and had to deal with peace in Joseph's heart. Each one of those scenarios, peace had to be established before the word would be received. Man, isn't that incredible? That's why Jesus said, My peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. See, the children of Israel weren't at peace with God. They didn't know the day... I'm getting a sign already. The children of Israel didn't know that they were at peace with God. Jesus stood before the, the city of Jerusalem on His triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. He said, with tears in His eyes, He said, Oh, Jerusalem! This your day, truly this day, if you would have only known what made for your peace. They were supposed to know. They were supposed to know what made for their peace, but they didn't know nothing about peace. And that's the way the church is today a lot of times. The church doesn't know that God has made peace with them. Man. That's why the gospel of peace is so important. 
It says this, grace and peace just not added, but it says grace and peace be what? Multiplied. Now, real simply, if you had money added to your account, that would be good. Everybody say amen. amen. If money was multiplied, that would be better. Amen. Did I put that in a... Who wants money added or who wants it multiplied? Raise your left hand if you want it added, your right hand if you want it multiplied. Oh, Israel, that's greedy right now. That's a man walking in revelation. He's holding up both hands. I want it added, and what's added, he wants it multiplied. So, now how does this take place? It's real simple. How do we get grace? How do we get the understanding of favor that's placed upon us? How do we grow? And how does that, uh, the, what we do know, how does that get multiplied, that favor, that enablement of God? How does that enablement of God get multiplied how does the peace of god the very peace that jesus is known as the prince of prince of judgment peace of wrath of the prince of wrath no the prince of peace he left us his peace he gave it to us the scripture said let the peace of god rule or govern control be the head of your heart so you may have a little understanding about the peace of God, but how would you like it multiplied? So how would you like to have God's favor and His peace multiplied in your life? Well, it's real simple. This is how you get that done. It says it right here. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in or through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. See, it's through the knowledge. See, the more you learn, see, that's why the Holy Spirit, Jesus said Himself, the Holy Spirit will come and teach us things pertaining to the kingdom. The first thing, the, the overall purpose for the Holy Spirit coming is not so you can speak in tongues. That will be an evident, that will be a, a, a fruit, that will be something that happens. But the purpose of all that of Him coming is so that you can be taught. Because before the Holy Spirit came, the disciples did not have the capacity to understand. Even with Jesus being the great teacher that He was, they weren't ready. See, Jesus was a great teacher, but they weren't ready or prepared to know what Jesus knew. But with the Holy Spirit, you can be made ready. If you are honorable to the Holy Spirit and recognize His gift and His power and His place in this earth, and you honor Him, you'll begin to learn things that most people don't know in the Word because you're honoring the teacher and He's teaching you things that other people aren't teaching, aren't being taught. All right? So let's see what happens here. It says, Grace and peace be what? Multiplied through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. So the more you know about God our Father... And Jesus our Lord, the more you're going to learn. Well, what's that mean to know about God and Jesus Christ our Lord? It doesn't mean... It's what they've done for you. See, if you begin to learn on what Jesus did for you and the place He is in your life, the more you learn what was finished by Jesus and God. See, God had a plan, Jesus fulfilled it, and they had an agreement that this would be done so you would receive the benefit. It's called the new covenant. God said, listen, I made a covenant with people, and people broke it, so I'm going to make a different covenant. I'm going to make it with my son, and he can't break it, and I can't break it, so man would be the benefactor of the new covenant. 
This is specifically talking about the new covenant principles, not the old covenant principles. The scripture says between two, they're having a good time in children's church. I like that. Between two immutable things, it is impossible for God to lie. And the scripture says in the book of Hebrews that we have a better covenant than the old. The problem with the old covenant, that man was involved. So he took man out of the scenario and gave us a new covenant. We are now the benefactors of the new covenant. Look what it says here. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord as His divine power, that says grace to me, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So what's been given to you? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Already, did you have to earn them? Did Mary have to earn unmerited favor? No. She was just a little 13-year-old girl doing what 13-year-old girls do. But she had found favor. It was placed upon her. See, it's been placed upon you. You don't have to earn it. God sees you. In his, he has, you have His favor already. And see, when we begin to learn about this in the Word, we're going to be strengthened by that. We're going to be moved by that. We're going to be, that's going to give us power. When we understand who we already are, we're going to be empowered. See, Prince William doesn't have to learn how to be a subject. He just needed to be told that he was royalty. He grew up knowing he was prince. There was nothing ever... See, we have to get rid of the old way of thinking and see the... See, you're born again into the family of God. Amen? Let's go on. It says, And His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How many people know that's everything? It's already yours. I don't know what else you can add to that. Life and godliness. That's a whole lot of stuff. And it goes on and says this, that through the knowledge of Him, matter of fact, verse 3, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him. See, you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, but you're not going to know it unless you have knowledge of Him. Do you see that? See, unless you hang around and read the Word and study to show yourself that you're approved. See, it's through the study of the Word. It's through the talking to other people. Well, I just don't, can't sit there and just open a Bible and study. Well, don't. Go talk to someone that does. Listen to what they got to say. Make sure they have an understanding of New Covenant principles before you talk to them. Talk to someone that's walking in their identity in Christ, that's strong in faith. Learn from them. Have a cup of coffee with somebody and let them teach you. Take somebody to lunch. Get around. Hang around. See, Mary, even though she heard the word from the angel, she went and hung around Elizabeth who had already manifested a conception. And she hung around Elizabeth who motivated Mary to continue in the miracle that she was walking in. We need fellowship one with another. Just coming to church on Sunday once isn't enough. 
because you got six other days out there where you're hearing contrary. You got six days of contrary and one day of favor. I hope you get to learn in your life how to start receiving six days of favor. Flip it around. Make a difference. The scripture says that the New Testament disciples were about the apostles' doctrine daily. They were learning who they were in Christ Jesus daily. They were listening to fresh manna from heaven. They wanted to hear from God themselves that they were approved. They were tired of being told about the Word and they wanted to hear it. Man, I hope one day you get tired of being told the Word. I don't, don't come to this church. Well, I'm going to go. I hope the pastor heard from heaven because I want him to tell me what heaven just said. Listen, forget that. I want you to hear. I want, faith comes by you hearing, not you being told. Too many people in church are being told God's Word. I'm standing here right now and I just see these chairs full. I'm serious. I'm just, I just saw it. I just like... Too many people are told the Word. Faith comes by hearing the Word. Moses never had a problem with the Ten Commandments. You know why? He was told the Word from God. I mean, he heard the Word from God. The children of Israel always had a problem. Why? Because they were told. They were supposed to hear. God said He wanted His people to come to the mountain. He would tell them. He would, they would hear from His mouth His words. And they said, oh no. Moses, you go up and hear from heaven and tell us what heaven said. Man, that sounds like the American church right there, doesn't it? Quit it! You need to be hearing from God when you open the Word. Man. Alright. Let's go on. Verse 3. And His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Here we go. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. So what's been given to us? Great and precious promises. They've already been given. Some of us are out there going, what must I do to get them? You already got them. The reason you don't know you have them is because you haven't studied the Word. You don't know about God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, I know God. I know Jesus. Yeah, but you hadn't studied more about them. You've gotten enough but you hadn't kept learning more. The more you learn about God and Jesus Christ Lord and what they did for us in the New Covenant, the more you're going to have an awareness of what's already been done. The more you have an awareness of what's already been done, by which have been given us seemingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of divine nature. Here's the problem with most people in the body of Christ. They're still living in an old covenant mindset, and they think the promises of God are for them. Well, they are for you. And they're there for you to enjoy. And they're there to change your life. And so you, but they're there just not for you to enjoy and change your life. They're there for you to experience God. See, the children of Israel had manna from heaven, but they didn't experience God. The children of Israel had the Red Sea open, but they didn't experience God. 
They saw God, but they didn't know God. They saw His hand move, but they didn't know His heart. See, the great and precious promises aren't just so you can have what you need in life. and experience. It's so you can experience the divine nature of God. Because it's His precious promises. He's put His nature in His promises just so not you can have for you. I, I don't know. I can't say it as well as the person I heard say it, said it, it says it does. I mean, it's like one of the things. Like, but He says it this way. And we, we've talked about it on the paradox of Christianity. That Christianity is all about you, but it's not. And this is the way he says it. He says, this is a friend of mine in Oklahoma City. He says, he says, Christianity starts with you, but if it ends with you, you haven't experienced Christianity. I'm going to say that again. He said, Christianity starts with you. But if it ends with you, you really never got it. Because if you get it, you're going to know it's about others. But you're never going to take care of others until you know you're taken care of. So in, in salvation, you know that you're taken care of. So now you can turn. But if all you do is take care of yourself, you really hadn't got it. You see what I'm saying? It starts with you, but it doesn't end with you. Because if it ends with you, you never got it. That'll make you think. I hang around some good people. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these great and precious promises we may be partakers of His divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Most churches focus on the escaping the world and its corruptions and the lust of the world. A lot of them talk about that last one. Power and lust! Oh, bless God! The only way you can escape corruption of this world and the lust of this world is by realizing the divine nature of God is already given to you. See, the only reason you have lust for things of the world is because you don't realize that you've been satisfied or can be satisfied by the Word of God. Do you see that? The only way you can escape the corruption of the world is for your mind to be renewed to the principles of the new covenant that's done for you and through you for them. Does everybody see that? The more you grow in grace and peace, the more you're going to understand the promises of God. The more you understand and live in the promises of God, the more you're going to... It's, it's going to be natural. It's going to happen naturally. Have you, ever stopped, have you ever tried stopping lusting? It don't work, does it? Because one of the things we've been teaching here for the last few months is you become what you behold. So if you're always beholding lust or lustful things or things of the world, you're going to lust after them. You're going to go that direction. But if you behold the promises of God, what you're going to... What's going to happen? You're going to become like them. If you start beholding in who you are, you're going to start becoming who you are. You'll start realizing it, and you'll start living out of, a, out of the divine nature that's already been given to us. You know, I love the example where it says that, 
that the children of Israel in the desert, they got their daily bread given to them from manna from heaven. And every day they had to get what God had given because they were servants of God. They weren't children of God. They were servants. And there's a lot of Christians that are believing God for their daily bread because they're still believing that they're servants. And they have that servant mentality. I guarantee you Prince William does not ever think twice I'm about getting a paycheck from the military. You ever think about that? I'm not getting paid much. <laughs> Do you think he thinks that way? How many people are in the military? Raise up your hand if you've been in the military. Every one of us looked at our paycheck and went, eh, I can't pay much. <laughs> right? Yeah. We had some phrases for that, didn't we? We can't say them in church, though. I guarantee you, he never looked at a paycheck and went, hmm, I don't know if this is worth it. Not once. Did he ever compute that what he was doing was for pay? Man, what, a, what an example. Everything that pertains to his life and his kingdom had already been given to him. So he was just doing what he was doing because he wanted to do it. Man, that's cool. The more you understand about God's knowledge and, and uh, the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ our Lord, the more you're going to learn about the precious promises and everything that pertains to life and godliness, you're going to quit living in this daily bread mentality are this servant mentality and start living in a sonship relationship. See, God is your father. You are his child. You are royalty. And you have everything that pertains to life and godliness. And as you grow in knowledge of that, you'll experience the divine nature of God. And as you experience the divine nature of God, the things of this world will just fall off naturally. And you will escape the lust of this world because you're not of it anymore. The scripture says there's two fathers. I, I wasn't going to get into this, but we have enough. This, this, this will, I got enough time to plant this seed and send you away going, what did he just say? <laughs> Ever see, a lot of people want to leave you all comfortable and peaceful. I'm going to leave you something. You're going, huh? The Bible says there's two fathers. God is our father. And the Bible says the devil is a father. Isn't that something? The Bible says to the Pharisees, you are of your father the... You brood of vipers. Matthew chapter 23, 17, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, travel far and abroad, and when one proselyte, to the, to, when one proselyte you make him twice the sons of hell as you are. In the book of Genesis, it says real simply, God was speaking to the serpent, which is the devil. He said the seed of the woman or the offspring of the woman is going to war against or come against the offspring of the serpent. 
Who's the offspring of Jesus? Oh, excuse me. Who's the offspring of Mary? Eve. Jesus. Who's the offspring of the serpent? The religious system. The religious system. People telling you that you've got to do things on the outside and not be it on the inside. That's what the serpent told Eve in the garden. Do this on the outside and you'll be more like God on the inside. That's a religious system. But see, your father's telling you you already are on the inside. So now do it on the outside. They weren't scared of the devil. I tell you what, we, we, we just need to understand who our father is. Because you will become what you behold. And if you're beholding a system that's contrary to God, you'll become like that system and go to church for the rest of your life. You're just beholding the wrong things. I choose to behold my Father because I want to emanate. I want to develop. I want to grow into the manifestation of His will on this planet. Does everybody see that? You will manifest what you behold. I want to behold His will, not the world's will. Amen? Amen. That's why it says this. The Scripture says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's your bodies, your flesh, the things you do. But what's the motivation? Paul says this, I beseech you by the mercies. The motivation for us to present our bodies is the mercy of God, not the judgment. I beseech you by the mercies of God to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Why? Because the inside's already taken care of. Now you've got to take care of the outside. You need to make the outside line up to what's happened on the inside so you can be in sync with God. And when you're in sync, then things can flow. If you're not in sync, things are not going to flow. The more you can bring your, line, your body or your flesh in line, the more you can bring your thinking in line with what God's already said about you, the more you will experience what God has said about you. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. That's one of the great, great uh, deceptions of the Word, and especially of the grace message. Uh, it, I actually call it a false grace. The Bible says that there's a true grace, and if there's a true grace, that means by default that there's a false grace. False grace says that you just, just, you're complete in Christ and don't have to worry about anything. Well, in a half-truth, that's true. But in a full truth... Now that you know who you are, you need to present your bodies as a living sacrifice so you can be in sync with the rest of yourself. Because if you're not in sync, you're not going to experience this. God wants us to be a witness and a testimony here on this earth. God wants, to manif- God wants us to manifest what He's declared about us. And if we never see ourselves that way, we will never declare it. It'll never be manifested. Never. God wants His will to be manifested on this earth. He wants His glory to be made known. He does that through us believing in Him. Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your Word, Your wisdom, and Your logic that is made so clear to us. Father, I thank You that You made Yourself manifested on this earth through Your Son, Jesus.
that he's a perfect, that Jesus, when he was on this earth, was a perfect representation of you. And Jesus, I thank you for sending your spirit, the Holy Spirit, to come and teach us things that would help us live within the kingdom of heaven under the new covenant. And may we now we walk according to who we already are. May we manifest the truth that's already in us by the renewing of the mind and studying of your word. May we grow and mature and be about our Father's business. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. God bless you.